Hey, uh, my name is Tim, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Grace Point Church. Uh, and it's so good to be with you all this morning. Now, before we jump in, I do have a quick announcement for you this morning, is that on the 13th of November, there is no 6 p.m. gathering. <clears throat> so just to uh, let... Feb what did I say? November. Well, maybe then too, I don't know. <clears throat> mm. <clears throat> you guys are going to laugh when something happens on November 13th and there's no 6 p.m. gathering. <clears throat> I'm like, I told you so. <clears throat> All right, so February 13th, no 6 p.m. gathering. All right, so uh, I want you guys to finish this statement uh, or these statements and see if you guys are with me and awake this morning. Uh, the first one being is that talk is, okay, you guys are good, silence is, especially if you have toddlers, or maybe not if you have toddlers, right? Because uh, that's scary. Uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... All right, you guys got that really good. Uh, if there's one thing that we all have in common is that we all talk, right? We all use words. Uh, some of us use words a lot. <clears throat> some of us talk a lot. Uh, husbands, I bet some of your wives would wish you would talk a little more. Uh, some of you talk... A little. Uh, wives, I bet some of your husbands would wish you to just maybe hold back a little bit. Um, and so I want you to know that today, whether you believe in Jesus or not, uh, if you don't and you're not sure about uh, this whole church and God and Jesus Bible thing, we're to say we're glad that you are here with us. Um, but we, I want you to know that whether you believe in Jesus or not, this, this message today is going to be really helpful and beneficial uh, for you. Uh, and why? Why is because we all speak words. And what I want to do today is I just want to show you from God's word how we are to handle our words. Now, I'm just going to guess by uh, a crowd this size uh, that maybe some of you, not all of you, but some of you have had some missteps with the things that you've said before, right? Maybe you spoke too soon. Maybe you said too much. Maybe you stuck your foot in your mouth. Um, and maybe you, know, you can relate to that. I know I have. I've been there. Uh, and so today, I want you to know that you can learn a lot. And when you stop and think about it for just a moment, that we use all use words. And really, every single moment of our lives is filled with words, isn't it? We, we, we think words. We hear words, we speak words, we sing words. We were singing words earlier. We write words, we read words. We are a people that loves words. And words are important, not because that we use them, but words are important because God uses words, right? The, the very first words ever spoken were spoken by God. They were not spoken by a human being. When God said, let there be light. We see right there in Genesis 1, this, the story of creation, how God spoke everything into existence. God had the very first words. Uh, and the fact that we use words is an obvious sign that we were created by God, a God who uses words. And like God, we can use our words to create. We can use our words to create trust. We can use our words to form relationships. 
We can use our words to to build community. Uh, But unlike God, we can also use our words to destroy trust, to break relationships, and to divide community. And we're never going to understand the importance of words unless we begin with the belief that all of our words belong to God. All words belong to God. Uh, And when you take words and you claim them as your own, to advance your purposes instead of God's purposes, right? Then then problems begin to happen with our talk. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at Scripture and and to see uh, what is the problem with our words. And if you look at our culture today, there are, uh, the words are many, and so are this, is is the issues around them. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me over to Proverbs chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. Now we did our best to get everything Uh, all the verses for you on the screen today. There's probably going to be some in here that are not, and so I want you to bear uh, with us. But this is just a good reason why you should have your Bible, why you should bring your Bible, uh, because you never know if the screens are going to be working or not, um, uh, and or if we're going to get them all on there. So we're trying to keep you on your toes. And so if you don't have a Bible and you want one, we're going to have one out for you at Center Point. You can get uh, get up now and go out there. Grab that Bible. It's free. Uh... Take it as our gift to you. Now, we don't want you to have a Bible just to follow along in here, but we want you to have a Bible so you can take it home and read it as well. So, uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 17. It says, Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, and the heart of the wicked is of little worth. And we see right away that words are important. And if you look at verse 20, and it's my first point for this morning, I want you to see that your words have value. It says, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver, and the heart of the wicked is of little worth. Our words have value to them. Now, we, we understand value, don't we? Uh, we, we place value on things. We, we evaluate, like, our, we have value on our homes, on our possessions, uh, our, our material things. Uh, but what really determines the quality of our lives is not the value of our possessions, but ultimately how we are loved. And we use our words to communicate and express how we love. We can add value to someone with our words, or we can use our words to devalue someone. Now, the things that we say and the things that we've said to us are of utmost value. We've all been in here in situations where maybe someone spoke kindly to us and, and used their words to, to build us up or maybe to express their affection for us. Uh, and we've all been complimented. And when, when that happens, we, we receive a kind word. It just kind of brightens our day a little bit. and We feel a little better about ourselves. But we've all in here experienced as well someone who has used harsh words with us or spoken ill of us or about us, and and they've used their words in cruel ways, and 
it has crushed us. They say it takes for every 100 compliments to build you up, it only takes one harsh word to tear someone down. Now, some of you may be here and you know this all too well. Maybe you've had nothing but angry and cruel words spoken over you. And and really, you feel like because of someone's uh, abuse of you in that way, you've been robbed of your value. You, you, You believe that you have no worth because of someone's words spoken over you. And I hope that you hear this this morning, that 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 is not what determines your value. That I want you to know that God is the one, your creator is who determines your value. And I'm telling you, you are more precious to him than anything. So much so that God sent his only son to give his life for you. That demonstrates value. And words have value because they belong to God. And that's why you have value. If you are here in Christ, you have value because you belong to God. And the value of human communication is rooted in the fact that God speaks. Words have value because this is how God has chosen to reveal himself to us. He uses words to make himself knowable and understandable. He has left us a whole book of his words so that we may know him. And he reveals himself. He he reveals his plan, his purposes, and his love for us. I want you to think about it for a minute. Like, it's kind of awesome that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, is that we encounter a God that is not distant, that's not silent, but that he comes close and that he speaks to us and he makes himself known to us in a very personal and real way through his word. Our God is a God who speaks. So I want you to know this morning that your words have value. And words, uh, and they, that God's word about you brings you value. But I also want you to see that your words have direction. Look at verse 17. It says, whoever heeds instruction is on a path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. And so let me, let me ask you this. Do, do the words you use lead others on a path to life? Or do the words that you use lead others on a path to death. If you look at the book of Proverbs, it kind of summed up everything that it had to say uh, about words. It would be this. Words can bring life or words can bring death. You get to choose. And the truth is that we've never spoken a neutral word in our lives. Our words are not neutral. It's kind of like uh, if my wife's getting ready uh, and you can almost guarantee she's going to ask me, hey, babe, how do I look? And if I was to say, oh, you look okay, I think that's neutral. But to her, it's not neutral. I might as well have said, you look awful, go change. <laughs> um, she's looking for like, babe, you're beautiful, like, let's go. <laughs> um, so I thought it was neutral, but it wasn't, right? So our words are not neutral. Our words have a direction to them. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
Husbands, that you're here, I want to just talk to you for, for just a moment. Can I ask you, how do you speak to your wife? Dads, how do you speak to your children? Husbands, if you speak to your wife, do you use your words uh, to lead your life, your wife on a path to life or path to death? Do you use your words to cut and control? In an argument, do you uh, raise your voice to, to, to yell, to, to prove your point? See, I want you to know, husbands, that God gave you the responsibility not to control your wife, but to protect her, to help her feel safe. And when you use your words and you raise your voice to power up, to, to, to uh, prove a point, I can guarantee you in that moment, your wife does not feel very safe. Now, wives, I want to talk to you for just a moment. How do you speak to your husband? Do you use your words to, to pick and to nag and to, to tear down? You know, like, well, if he would just step up and do uh, the things that he was supposed to do, then I wouldn't have to, to be on him all the time. Let me just say, wives, you can be a huge encouragement to your husband. You can speak life, uh, words of life and encouragement and hope and love and peace and instruction and wisdom and encouragement and correction into one another's lives. Or you can use your words and move one another towards death through anger and malice and slander and jealousy and division and contempt and racism and violence, judgment and condemnation. And we see so much of that happening in our culture. Now, our culture, and even within the church, we are using our words to tear one another apart. So I want you to begin to see today that your words have value and your words have direction. And probably most important out of all of this is we have to understand that our words have problems. There are problems with our words. Look at verse 18 and 19. It says, The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. And whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Now, we all have to admit that we all have problems with our words. Now, I know this not because of you, but because of me. I've got problems with my words. If you don't believe me, just go ask my wife. She will let you know. Uh, I can remember uh, back when my kids were little, uh, uh, probably four, five, and six, I remember that, uh, my wife was out somewhere. I don't know, uh, but I was at home with the kids, and we were hanging out. And, and parents, have you ever just had one of those days with your kids um, where you, you really had to remember that you loved them? Uh, uh, <laughs> And it just, like, it, no matter what happened, like, this, things were not going right. I could have swore she gave them all a Red Bull before she left. Um, but it was just talk, 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 talk. And they were getting into things, and they were all over the place. And it felt like they were just jumping all over the walls. And at, all day long, I kept saying, please, please calm down. Please calm down. Stop. Please calm down. And it finally got to the point where I was so angry that I looked at them and just laid into them. 
I mean, I kind of lined them up one by one, uh, and I just let them have it. And I let them have it uh, until, not until they acted and behaved better, but I let them have it until I felt better. And in that moment, my words were many, and so was my sin. See, I had a desire in that moment to let my kids know that they had intruded on my happiness, my peace, and quiet, my comfort. Now, I would have been wise to have restrained my words that morning. And I think this is what Solomon's talking about, that when words are many, transgression is not lacking. And my words that day with my kids revealed what was in my heart already. And it revealed who was ruling my heart. And this is really, uh, if we had a big idea for today, this is the big idea for today. Whoever controls your heart controls your mouth. Whoever controls your heart controls your mouth. And my words that day with my kids revealed that I was in charge of my heart. I wanted what I wanted. I was not angry or annoyed because they had offended God's law or broken God's law. I was angry with them because they had broken my law. See, they invaded my comfort and my peace and my quiet. And I wanted what I wanted and I wanted what I wanted now. See, when you're tempted to give someone a piece of your mind, you have to ask yourself this question. They've made you angry. Has, am I angry because this person has broken God's law? Or, is this, or am I angry because this person has broken my law? You see, if you're truly angry about God's law being broken, then you have a righteous anger, right? And righteous anger is good because it's always going to produce a righteous response. If it's a righteous anger, you're not going to spew your words in anger or use words that cut, but you're going to use words to, to, to correct and to build up. So we have to begin to wonder and ask the question, what's the problem with our words? Why is it that every, probably every single, if we have to really be honest with ourselves, why would we have to admit that we have regret over some things that we've said before in our lives? Why is it that we wish there were words that we could take back that we've said in anger? Why is it that we, like, our words have stirred up conflict? And why is it that, like, oh, man, I think I said too much? Or, the, like, why did I gossip about that person? Or why am I so quick to, to argue? Or why am I so quick to air out uh, my opinions? Why do I think it's okay to, to go on social media and just become a, a, a keyboard uh, jockey and just like just spew out all kinds of things. Ultimately, the reason why this is, is because it's not that we have a word problem. It's that we all have a heart problem. Jesus talks about this in Luke uh, chapter 6. <clears throat> he says this. He says, for no good tree bears bad fruit. <clears throat> Nor again does a bad tree bear good, <clears throat> good fruit. <clears throat> for each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. 
The good person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, Jesus right here is saying something very uh, significant. And he's challenging a belief uh, that all of us here struggle with. He, Christ is teaching us that the problem is uh, with us is lived out in our hearts. Now, when the Bible talks about our hearts, um, the Bible says that, that this is where we live out of. And I want you to look at the language here because uh, like, what does the Bible mean specifically when, he starts talking, when they start talking about our heart? Really, when, when you look at Scripture, uh, the Bible essentially divides us into to two. Uh, not that they're, they're, they're completely separated and don't impact one another, but uh, we're, we're kind of divided into two persons, uh, our inner person and our outer person. And when we talk about our outer person, we talk about like our outward behavior, our, our, our bodies, uh, you know, uh, things that you can see and hear and, and smell. Um, think of like this outer person is kind of like your earth suit, right? Um, and then there's the, the inner man. And the Bible uses a lot of words here to describe uh, the, the inner man. The Bible uses words like mind and soul and emotions and spirit and will uh, and all these words are kind of collected into one big basket term called the heart. You guys with me? All right. Uh, and, and this word heart is used over a thousand times in Scripture. Uh, and it's really a common theme throughout Scripture. And so when the Bible talks about the heart, it's really talking about the, the heart of who you are as a person. And the heart really is a, a directional system. And I want you to, to see that our heart is ultimately what drives our behavior. For example, uh, we, we've all said things, you know, if you did what you were supposed to do, then I wouldn't have to be on you all the time. Or uh, if my kids wouldn't act up so, so much, I wouldn't have to, to yell at them. Or, you know, if that person would just wear their mask, I wouldn't have to go and say something to them or, or, or cause, a, cause a stink. Uh, the, uh, the problem that you find your situ- uh, uh, the problem isn't the situation that you find yourself in or the circumstances you find yourself in. I want you to understand that the problem is you. It's me. In every argument, in every situation that you have ever faced, there is a common denominator. It's you. It's me. And say, so I really want to believe that the problem isn't inside of me, that the problem is outside of me. And the truth is, and what Jesus is talking about right here, um, the truth is, is what is, is inside of me is what causes the problems outside of me. Remember that, that day back with, with my kids? See, the problem really wasn't my kids' behavior. All of that came out of me. Why? Because that was what was inside of me. Now, I would love more than anything to say, well, if they would not have acted that way, then I would have not acted that way. But I acted that way because that was what was inside of me. I wanted them to know that they had violated my laws. 
And I wanted them to act the way that I wanted them to act. And this is is what Jesus is challenging us with. He's saying, for out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. Now, we really don't want to believe that, do we? Like, the the sinful part of me wants to, like, blame my behavior for someone else's, uh, uh, blame it on somebody else. It's easier for me to do that than to turn around and look at the, than to turn around and look at myself as being the problem. I want to see that people are my problem, that situations are my problem, that circumstances are problems. I don't want to see myself as the problem. And I want us all here this morning to begin to see that word problems aren't necessarily vocabulary problems. They're not technique problems. They are heart problems. Now, I get the the privilege and honor to do a lot of counseling. And one of the, the biggest things that couples typically say when they come in is like, we just need to learn to communicate better. We just want to work on our communication. If we could just learn some skills and some techniques, uh, then, then our problems would kind of go away. Uh, and, and really, there's a part of me that begins to wonder, I was like, are you just asking me to teach you a way to convince your spouse that you're right without causing an argument? Because that's impossible. Uh, and I want you to know that if knowledge and skill were all that we needed then all, uh, then, uh, then all we had to do is fix our communication problems, then, then our word problems would have been fixed a long time ago. But we need more than, than communication skills and techniques. Yes, those things can be helpful. But ultimately, we got to see that our, our communication problems are ultimately word problems are ultimately heart problems. See, I want to believe so often that my problem is outside of me rather than inside of me. And I I want to let you know that this right there is a very dangerous belief. It's dangerous because when you're able to convince yourself, and we're really good at that, uh, you're able to convince yourself that the greatest problem in life exists outside of you, rather than inside of you, then you, what happens is you stop seeing your need for Jesus. You see everybody else's need for Jesus, but you stop seeing your own personal need for Jesus. You think the other person needs Jesus, not you. Uh, uh, but, uh, but that's what we end up believing. So if my problem ultimately is a heart problem, we have to begin to understand, then what is wrong with my heart? Second Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, those that, who, uh, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but live for, for whom their sake died and was raised. See, the problem is summed up this way. Instead of being controlled by God's love, I'm controlled by my love of me. See, this verse says that he died so that we would live for him instead of ourselves. 
The problem with us is that we uh, begin to live for ourselves, what I want, what I need, what I, uh, what I choose, instead of living for the one who died for us. See, the problem with our words begins when we begin to rule our hearts instead of allowing Christ to rule our hearts. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. If we had a big idea for today, it would be whoever rules your heart controls your mouth. And if I rule my heart, then I'm going to use my words to speak for me. But if God rules my heart, then I'm going to use my words to speak for him. See, I want you to see that sin does something just really terrible inside of us. See, sin turns me inward. It turns me in on myself. Sin makes me obsessed with what uh, I want and my needs and my feelings and my desires and my world. And if I rule my heart, then it's what, what I want, what I want, what I want. And we weren't created to, to rule our worlds. I was created to live in a world ruled by God. But if I'm the one that rules my heart, then I begin to view the people around me, uh, that everyone that's around me is, is there to do what I want them to do. I want the people around me to be the, the delivery system of my desires, of my needs, of my wants. And then when that happens, no longer are people around me, no longer are people actually people. No longer are they b- becoming objects of my love. They're just vehicles to get what I want. Or they become the obstacle to what I want. And so it becomes when, when people around me, when they deliver uh, the goods and services and they give me what I want, then I can speak kindly to them, not because I love them, but because I love me. And when they get in the way of what I want, then I speak harshly to them because I love me. Are you quick to criticize, to condemn, to judge, to slander. Maybe it's because someone has violated your rules and they've not given you what you want. Let me ask you, who rules your heart this morning? Does God rule your heart? Are your words like what what scripture says here, like choice silver, using your words to bring value to people, to bring people in in a direction towards God. See, in our world, we have our own rules, and we get angry when our rules are broken. But I want you to know that God has a few rules of of his own, and he shares them with us. And really, God's rules can be summed up in one big rule. And this is what Paul says here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul says, for the whole law is filled in one word. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, why is this a summary of what God calls us to do? 
I mean, didn't Jesus say that the greatest commandment uh, is to love God with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your soul? Wasn't that the greatest commandment? And so why is Paul saying that the whole law then can be filled with just love your neighbor? We just, we just, if we're just kind to people? The reason why Paul sums it up this way is because he's saying that only when I love, love God above all else, only then will I ever be able to love God my neighbor. And when we look at the world, we wonder why there's so much hate, hatred spewing. It's because there's not many that love God. And so if we're not loving God, that is impossible for us to be kind and to love one another. And it's only when I love God more than myself, it's only when God rules our hearts, am I going to treat people with love that same love that I received from him. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. We cannot fix our words horizontally. Our word problem has to be fixed and repaired vertically. It's when I love God more than I love me. It's when I begin to wrestle with the fact of how could such a great and awesome and beautiful God love a wretched sinner like me. It's when I begin to recognize that God loved me and he dealt kindly with me. He didn't deal with me harshly, but he came to me in love. Even when I have sinned and wronged him, sinned against him and wronged him. And I want you to to just think about that. That when you begin to remember and recall and and meditate on uh, and begin to think about deeply about how much God has loved you, it is only then when your heart begins to detach from my wants and my needs and my desires. It's then when my heart begins to be filled with gratitude and love and appreciation for what Christ has done for me. And it's only when God begins to rule my heart that my words begin to be be words of love, of service, words of grace, words of affirmation, words of hope, words of peace, and, and ultimately words that heal. 2 Corinthians says that one has died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. See, Christ died so that he could be the one to rule our hearts. He died so that we would no longer rule ourselves, but so that we would live for him. 1 John 4.19 sums this up perfectly. He says, we love because Christ, because he first loved us. You see, I want you to know that we are not capable of loving each other. We are not capable of speaking kindly uh, to one another. We're not capable of, of speaking words of life until we first know about God's love for us. And we're not going to know God's love for us any other way 
than until we spend time looking at Jesus on the cross. Now, we talk all the time about how Jesus died on the cross for us and that uh, it was his love that drove him there. Like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Now, we as Christians, we hear that so often that I wonder sometimes if we just like, yeah, 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 we know that. But when was the last time that you spent time just contemplating the love that Jesus has for you, demonstrated by his work on the cross? Just let that sit there for a moment. that Jesus willingly laid down his life for you, for me, because of his love for us. This right here is true biblical love, that Jesus gave everything and we gave nothing. Don't let this pass over you so quickly. Friends, I want to just leave you with this today. I want you to ponder this idea. And maybe this is something that you go about this week and begin to pray. That whoever controls your heart controls your mouth. Who is it that has your heart? Is it Jesus or is it you? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we are grateful that you love us. And Father, we just begin with that fact. And Father, I just pray that that the reality of your love washes over us that we as a church, that we as a people are not so quick to uh, rush over that idea. Father, I just pray that it's not something that, that we hear so much that we just kind of skip over that, but that we, that we truly sit and dwell on the reality that you love us. So Father, we just uh, come before you today and we just, um, we ask that you would, Forgive us for our words. Forgive us when we've used our words to, to cut and to tear down and to bring about death. And Father, I just pray that our words, uh, because of uh, your love for us, would be seasoned with grace. That we could use our words to, to build up, to bring about life. And Father, we just ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.